0: Matt Black Kia Studios. Here's Mike Gill. So, a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. We begin with a look at what is next as the NBA sounds like. It is getting closer to a return. Major League Baseball wants to get back at it. Where is hockey? I have an update on that as well. What about the old orange and black? Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Josh Henning, producing today's show. You out there. The Sports Bash is live on a Wednesday. Um, I will tell you, I was just listening to the warm-up in front of us with uh, Josh and Ryan. They were bringing up an interesting conversation regarding How the states are all different, and why does one state need to pay attention to what another state's doing? Uh, I think that's a big factor in a lot of this because, like, Arizona has now decided, hey, we're open for business. Why don't you come on out here and play sports, you know? And how that could affect everybody. But, you know, Florida's open. They got the UFC. There's things happening down there. So we'll dive into it. Uh, But I think the NBA right now is at a very interesting crossroads, Hunter Brody, because. You know, they sent out a text message last night, essentially. It's like when you are with your buddies and, like, who's in, who's out, just reply, yes or no. That was it. Yes or no. Do you want to play basketball this year? The NBA basically put out there. And apparently overwhelming it was, yes, we'd like to try to get back out there and go. So it looks like the NBA is going to make a push now to get things going. But one of the key things that I thought from that whole thing was, You have to be okay with the fact that some people are going to test positive for this and we're still going to keep
1: playing. That's what I see as the the big thing, because we just saw that Carl Anthony Towns tragically lost his mother because of this. And that's the first thing I thought of was, you know, there are people who have been affected by the coronavirus in the league. And, you know, it's no joke. So how do they feel? Because there are plenty of people who have not been impacted by it, so they don't feel it the same way as others. And I feel Carl Anthony Towns felt it in such a big way, obviously, that that should definitely raise some eyebrows when it comes to people testing positive and moving forward.
0: Yeah, I thought that was the most interesting part of the whole thing, though, which was, hey, you know, you got guys who are now going to be put into a position where they don't want to be doing something And they might have to do it anyway because of the majority. Now, I guess they don't have to play, but is then Carl Anthony Towns letting his team down? Does it even matter because his team is kind of out of the race right now? But that being said, I don't think you should be put into a position to have to make a decision. However, that's exactly what's going to essentially happen for some of these guys. Um, The Adrian Wojnarski tweet that I read last night that had people buzzing, which was, quote, Attendees left the board of governors with a call from Adam Silver today, feeling positive about momentum towards an NBA return to play this season. Discussion included how league's players will need to get comfortable with some positive tests for the virus, not shutting down a resumption. So, you know, you could be the Sixers on a three-game win streak, and then all of a sudden Ben Simmons isn't feeling so well, and he's got coronavirus, and he's quarantined for 14 days. And the other players on that team are going to have to say, all right, we're without Ben for 14 days,
1: but we got to keep on playing. That's really interesting. See, I I think we can tie in what Sean Doolittle tweeted the other day with all of these posts about what's actually going on with this coronavirus. Because don't get me wrong, I think that there's value in the text message from – the NBA front offices or whoever sent the text messages out, Adam Silver, you know, there is value in getting responses from players. But if it was a simple question, yo guys, do you want to play the rest of the season? I feel obviously a lot of people are going to say yes. But now you have to kind of dive deeper and say, okay, well, here are the details. You know, I feel like from from face value, of course, everybody wants to finish the season. But as you mentioned, there's a lot more to dive into. Well, what happens if this occurs or what happens if this happens? And that can change your answer based off of the information that you are given.
0: Yeah, I thought, you know, that's the biggest thing to me is that the players need to be comfortable with positive tests happening and that the season is not going to shut down if it happens like, hey if Rudy Gobert the last time when he got it that shut the whole season down but let's say that uh you know Marcus Saul ends up getting it we're not shutting the season down for Marcus Saul sorry season's going to keep going once we restart this thing we're going to the end baby so you better get on board unless the federal government then shuts us back down but that's what it is and you know I think that is asking the players a lot is to say hey you have to be okay with the fact that this could possibly happen and I don't know that it's gonna cause a you know wrench in the wheel, if you will. I think the players will eventually or, or will probably come together and say yes, but I think there's gonna be a lot of them that are pretty uncomfortable with it. I think we lost the connection with you. Uh we'll see if we can reconnect with you real fast here. Uh but that's the thing. Like, you know, when age uh when when Wode said basically That, you know, that all these guys have to basically get it. They got a text message. They basically responded to the text message. They're going out there and they're basically saying, hey, uh, do you feel comfortable with this? He told those, Adam Silver told those on the NBA Board of Governors call Tuesday that if a positive test would shut us down, we probably shouldn't go down this path. I mean, that's what he said was that if the players felt that a positive test would be a problem, then... We probably shouldn't restart this thing. So that is kind of the conundrum here of the players is, okay, I'm ready to play. Everybody's tested and we're all good. But what happens if one guy gets it? What happens if four guys get it? What happened if eight guys get it? What happened if 12 guys get it? You know? The league is basically saying, if you're not comfortable, we probably shouldn't go down this path. And once the NBA season, once the NBA formulizes a return to play policy, the league indicated to teams that the plan would be uh, to standardize coronavirus testing among the 30 teams. So they would all have to do the same thing all the time. So there's a lot to dive into here. 609-403-0973 on the text board. 609-403-0973. 0973 that's the text board you guys can get involved and basically you know sound off on how you feel about uh, uh, about this whole situation cuz I think the NBA is a very interesting one because they were the first one to kind of shut everything down so as we heard last week with Keith Smith who's going to join us tonight at 4:30 They were the one that shut things down, and he said because they were the first, they kind of take that as a, you know, we're the leaders in this situation right now. So they want to be smart when they come back. So the NBA world is generally in an agreement right now that it makes sense to wait until the last possible minute. They did say we don't have to make a decision. We can wait to June to make our decision here. Now, when we hear June, we're thinking, wow, remember, today's May 13th, so – we have more than half this month of May still left to go, and we are in a situation where, you know, they might not make a decision until maybe next month. So they're they going to take about two to four weeks to kind of decide on this thing and then go, all right, let's see if we can make a decision and kind of get ourselves back on
1: track. I think we might be back on track here. I think we are too. Now, the one thing I wanted to kind of tie it to was... Now, could you hear me that whole time? For a good portion of it, yes. That's weird. I know, it really is. Anyway, when the NFL just had that whole problem with the new CBA, you had a lot of older players really not like it, and you had a lot of the newer players looking at it from a different perspective, and it created this controversy in between or, you know, between the parties that are in the NFL, right? So I kind of see this in a very similar way. There's going to be people that don't mind playing through it. There's going to be people that really do, and and it might be closer than we think. It could be Um,
0: 51-49. I think I would would only disagree for this notion. The NBA typically trends a little younger.
1: No, I I agree with that. I just meant in terms of, you know, you have – Everyone inside the NFL, when it comes to players, uh-huh. you know that's the family. That's the brotherhood. They are competing against what the NFL, the organization wants, right? It's players versus the actual organizations, like most sports. With this, it's very similar. But inside that, you have the NBA players who are somewhat split. Well, inside the NFL, you had the players which were somewhat split as well. Well, we don't know that the
0: NBA players are somewhat split. It seemed that it was overwhelming That the players wanted to continue, at least high-profile players, let's say that. I mean, the only ones that were really broadcasted were, hey, Chris Paul and LeBron James and, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and, you know, that level of player. They all had a conversation and said, we want to keep playing. So, it sounds like at least the upper echelon players of the NBA are coming together to say, we want to do everything possible to kind of get this thing going. So,
1: no, that's fair. That is fair. It, it is a little different because these but big keep time in mind, players.
0: Bert,
1: for the NBA,
0: you would think that whole plan that Keith Smith put together for Disney World, it's a lot more manageable than an NFL situation. Like, the NFL would have to find, you know, literally like one stadium that's AstroTurf or, you know, field turf or whatever they use now. You can't play on a grass field all day on the scene like you would have to find multiple astroturf or some sort of artificial surface that teams could like if you wanted to do a bubble in the nfl it just wouldn't work the same as potentially doing it for basketball where you can play at a disney world that has all the courts and has everything on one site so you never have to leave that quote-unquote bubble the mls is talking about playing at disney world they're talking about playing major league soccer there at disney World having everybody there, playing all the games there. You can do it for basketball. You can do it for uh, soccer. I don't know. You might know better than me about hockey. Is there like this grand poobah hockey place where all the hockey teams can kind of live and go and you know have a hockey euphoria for a couple of months where there's a bunch of rinks and places that these teams could kind of exist? I don't know about that place. But where's football going to biosphere everybody and play games if they can't do it?
1: No, they definitely can't do it. I was talking more about how it was the argument with the CBA and the actual players itself. But, yeah, in in this scenario, there would be no way that they would be able to just – take one field and do it and with hockey with the ice sheet if they played that many games on the same sheet of ice it would get destroyed and ripped apart and you would need a place where there's nine or ten rinks and the only way that that's possible is in these local rinks and it wouldn't be an actual nhl type stadium they would be playing at something very similar to like the skate zone down in atlantic city
0: right Uh, yeah i figured like that would be the case where you're like in a place that basically is like a
1: barn Yeah, exactly. That's what it would be. That would be something. They do do preseason games. There's one rink where they choose, and they do it in a local rink, which is kind of cool, but I can't imagine a regular season doing that. And and same with the NFL. There would literally be no way to quarantine themselves in a bubble. So
0: let's go down the the possibility. The NBA is in agreement that it makes sense to wait until the last possible minute to make a decision on the season. That was in the, the quote. Uh, in order to gain as much info as possible before then, uh, Woj said this morning on Get Up that um, that they're going to wait until the, the last possible minute. Now, according to Shams over at the Athletic, there's a sense that a decision can't be put off until July. In other words, they got to do something you know with relatively within the next month or so. Like they want to have something finalized in June, is what Shams is saying here. Now, Woj and Shams both note that executives and players around the NBA, even on the lottery teams, understand the financial ramifications tied to the decision of whether they should come back and play or not. The understanding is overwhelming is the, quote, support among the players for resuming and finishing the season, which is what I've advocated. Finish the 15 to 20 games that each team has as kind of like a cushion. You don't want to start the playoffs up and then have to stop the playoffs, I would say play the 15 to 16 games, get the players ramped up to play playoff games, and also give the the cushion for something
1: happening that you might have to stop again. I couldn't agree more. That is the way you have to do it. And not only that, I mean, that's a very important piece to the puzzle, but also – these guys have been sitting out for how long? I mean, they just need something to get their juices flowing. It would be silly to start the NBA season back and say, all right, guys, here's game one of the playoffs, right? I mean, that would make no sense. So on top of the cushion for in case something does go wrong and they do need to shut down, you also need to, to factor in they got to get themselves ramped up similar to the the spring training 2.0, if you will. Yeah,
0: well, and keep in mind, baseball never got off the ground. So they do need the spring training just to kind of get to the point to start the season because they never actually started the season. Like, you know, so I can understand why they would need it. But same thing with the NBA. Now they've been off for two months or so since March 11th was when they ended. So we're past two months now. Uh, We're at March 13th, right? Yeah, today's my father's birthday. So uh, happy Happy birthday, birthday. Mr. Gill. we are now past two months since the last game. March eleventh is when the league shut down, so those players haven't played a competitive game in two months. You can't ask them to come back and say, "Oh, by the way, we're going to toss it up and it's a seven-game series for all the marbles." Here, I mean that's ridiculous.
1: That would be so insane to watch. You'd be seeing. Pool. I'm I'm thinking of the big three. Do you have,
0: Do you remember Oliver Miller? He, I mean, he's probably a little bit before your time, but he played at Arkansas. He was kind of heavy set guy. But he was, like, the one guy in the NBA who had a little, like, rotundness to him. Like, you know, NBA guys are, like, you never see a soccer guy who's a heavy guy. They're all in great shape. Like, NBA guys are all, like, real tall, thin, like, or even, like, short and compact. Oliver Miller was, like, 6'10 and was a big, fat guy. I mean, getting up and down the court, he was great. But he was really good in college. He was, like, you know, uh, one of the best players in the country. But when he got to the NBA, he was a little rotund, right? Uh, but that's how these players could come back. We got a bunch of Oliver Millers out in the court just like chucking it
1: up. I was thinking of the big three. Some of these players who haven't played basketball, they're pulling hamstrings in game one. They missed three weeks, right? I mean, that's pretty much what this is going to be like if they don't keep up with themselves. Right, exactly. So that's why they need, because you got to
0: imagine that some of the lottery teams that are out of it, some of those guys are sitting down eating cheese puffs right now.
1: That's a really solid point. Yeah, there's a lot of teams, uh, you know, more than half, I would say, that are thinking to themselves, "What the hell?" Well, if you what's go, the point?
0: If you go, bros, to the Eastern Conference, for instance, I would think that most of the eight teams, if not all eight teams, are pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered over there. You have Orlando in the eighth spot, five and a half games up on the ninth. So from Washington, Charlotte, Chicago, the Knicks, Detroit, Atlanta, and Cleveland, they are out of it right now. I mean, I don't even think you can't make up five and a half games with, you know, Orlando's played 65 games, so they've got 17 games left. You're not making up five and a half games with 17 games left unless Orlando craps itself.
1: Right, so every single time that an opponent plays this team, what are they playing for? How are they checked in mentally? They have to be checked out. Totally checked out. So I'm wondering, if I got a
0: text message and I'm on the
1: New York Knicks, am I saying, oh, yeah, I'd like to go back and play? I, well, here's the thing, though. Financially, would you say yes if you are now making a significantly different amount of money? Yeah, but I think the NBA guys have still been getting paid. How's the
0: NBA pay structure changed since this whole thing? Have they done – You know, any slashing or prorated of they got paid through April, right?
1: They got paid in full through April. But moving forward, the league says them continuing to get paid in full is stipulated upon them returning to games.
0: All right, well, guess what? Sometimes you get to this point where you're so comfortable with what's going on, you're like, you know what, for that extra... You know, in our case, we might say, "Ah, for that extra 125 bucks, I don't feel like going down there. You go, do. You know, or where these guys would say, "Ah, for that extra 100 grand, I'm okay. I'd rather sit home and play vids."
1: <laughs> well, how about Kevin Love? Right, so Kevin Love's clearly checked out of Cleveland. He made that very vocal. But Colin Sexton. He's a player that's probably enjoying this year, who's having fun, who's really entertaining, who's playing with that that juice and really enjoying going from city to city and, and being in the NBA. I know the circumstances changes, but, you know, Kevin Love and Colin Sexton, both on the Cavaliers, who are 19 and 46, they probably are looking at this scenario two different ways.
0: Yeah, well, and in the West, thinking about, like you said, younger player might want to get back out there and play out West. You got the whole Zion thing that that whole team wanted to get back out there because they felt they had a good shot to get the playoffs. You had J.J. Redick, a veteran who has never missed the playoffs, and he's been very vocal about that. And they are, uh, what, two and a half games behind the eighth seed right now? And New Orleans has played, what, uh, looks like, my eyesight's so bad what, 64 games, so they have 18 games left to play? Correct. And then Memphis has played 65 games, so they have one less game. New Orleans, Portland, and Sacramento, they're all two and a half games behind the eight spot. So you have a legit, and by the way, uh, the Spurs are four games back of the eight spot. So you have four teams in the West that are all saying, look, we have a shot to get that number eight seed now. We know a world that we live in that most teams prefer not to be the eight team. They want to be the team in the lottery. They want to tank and get the heck out of that eight spot. So there was a lot more reason for the West teams, I guess, to try to get in this thing than the Eastern Conference teams. That's for sure.
1: Definitely. This West is actually really intriguing when you break it down. The thing is, though, we know how the NBA works, right? So these teams are all fighting for that seventh, eighth seed. They're pretty much fighting to get eliminated in the first round. Now, because of this this big block here where nobody's playing basketball, does that change things? Is fighting for that seventh, eighth seed now different because, well, listen, the top two teams haven't played ball in forever. Maybe we can squeak one by it.
0: Right, exactly. I think a lot of people are going to look at it at a way that some of these teams are just not going to be back and ready to go and and get this thing off the ground. So let's go back there and play some some regular. And like I said, I would be, if I was a player, I would want to say, hey, let me go get my legs under me, play my 15 regular season games. as like a spring training exhibition schedule. I don't want to go make a run for the NBA Finals after sitting out for two months, that's just not, that's just not going to, I'm just not
1: going to be prepared the way I want to be prepared. And think about how this has impacted different teams. The Lakers, they were really rolling. LeBron was playing phenomenal. Anthony Davis was definitely playing really well. They had a really smooth squad playing at a high level. The Sixers, well, we know the story. It was an aggravating watch. It was frustrating and they did not seem to be on the same page. So how does this time off impact these teams? Will the Lakers just pick up and be able to play at the high level that they were playing? Is this a positive for the Sixers? Could it have even gotten worse than it was after this break? Or is this a positive for saying, well, it can't be that bad. It could only go up from where it was. All right, this
0: leads us into an interesting question then. Because of where the Sixers were, would you feel more positive about them after this two-month break than you did when the break started because I would think you would I mean I think it's like a two-month reset button here of got Ben Simmons back most likely anyway the season was off the rails people were antsy and now all of a sudden they almost got a reprieve if they did these lists of which teams benefit the most from not playing I think the Sixers are right at the top of that list of teams that said you know what this was probably good for us we needed to get the heck away now The bad part is they're going to come back and play with no fans.
1: Yes. And they thrived at the Wells Fargo center with a ton of fans. Now it it is very interesting. I think that it's hard to go the other way. How could it get much worse? How could it go to the other side? It, It was hard for me to think that it can go in the wrong direction, even farther than what it was when this all happened. So from that circumstance, I would think it would have to go in a positive direction and all the front office members, it's almost an excuse at this point for everything. And this could all be used as an excuse from an organizational view.
0: Uh, And well, that's something Elton Brand was asked about when he spoke about a week ago, like, and he said, I don't know how you judge things when you don't have a completed season. It's a shame. You couldn't have got your question in sports pass live. 97.3 ESPN. That's right. Brought to you by Matt Kia. They want to get you approved today. They're back. They're on the Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. Mike and Broads, coming up, we got a busy show for you today. Hopefully, you're hanging in, having a little fun. We hope to entertain and inform on the latest on the potential resumption of the NBA season. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman also had something to say about the return of hockey. So, what about all the Flyer fans out there? Also... All 32 NFL head coaches ranked, including the new hires. Where did Doug Peterson fit on that list? We'll get your thoughts on that. We got the headlines coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Keith Smith, Andrew DiCecco has football at 4. The MGPT Top 5 at 5. It is our Top 5 TV Crushes growing up. Our Top 5 TV Crushes growing up. Who were yours? Text them in, 609-403-0973. 403-0973. Yeah, that's how you can hit us up. We got plenty to do today, including Keith Smith later on from NBC Sports, Yahoo NBA. He'll join us to talk about the latest on the NBA. Also, tonight's MGPT Top Five at Five, it's your first TV crush. Now, this is from a TV show, not like a musical singer, not a movie. This is from a television show. All right, because we already got some coming in. My first crush was a musician. Saw her on TV, Debbie Gibson. So just because you saw them on TV, it's from a TV show. You
1: got that? I got that. I'm ready. Now yours
0: is going to be a little off from
1: ours. It is. Now, I, I was thinking that too. It's it's going to be funny. Although I do have some oldies on there. So whoa, I think you, little cougar. You, whoa! Yeah. Whoa! 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 When I watched them originally. They were not, you know, at that time, they were in my frame that I'm in now, if that makes sense. You know, when I'm watching when I'm seven, eight, nine years old, and I see them on the TV, well, they're in the, the 20 to 30 range. So it's, it, now I'm more
0: up to their speed. All right, I got you. I'm looking forward to this. sports Live Live, 97.3 ESPN. All right, poll question is up right now at Broads 81. Uh, based on something that we just kind of hit on about the Sixers,
1: which is? This you, you have to fill in the blank. This time off, blank, the Sixers. And your two options are it either helps the Sixers or it hurts the Sixers.
0: All right. So at Broads 81, this time off, blanked the Sixers. You can vote at Broads 81. We'll update that later on tonight on the show. Helped or hurt the Sixers. Now, I think you can really answer both sides and not and not get criticized for it. You could say it helped the Sixers because they had all sorts of problems. I mean, there was anarchy. People wanted the coach fired. They probably still do. They want this team broken up. They wanted the GM, you know, to answer questions on what were they thinking when they let the, uh, put this team together. I mean, there was a lot of angst, if you will, towards this team. Would you agree with
1: that? I would have to say absolutely yeah. there was.
0: A lot of angst. All right. You could also say the time off hurts the Sixers. Um, And I I should go back to helps because now you're going to get, obviously, there was no guarantee that Ben Simmons was going to come back and play any of the regular season games, right?
1: That's huge,
0: yes. Also, um, you had really, you know, another helping matter was just, again, the mental of getting away from all the negativeness that was happening around this team and just saying, We are so out of sight, out of mind, that that's a good thing. Where it hurts, I guess, where does it hurt? I don't know. I don't have a legitimate good reason other than, eh, maybe they're rusty.
1: I think that's what it is. I mean, you haven't played basketball for such a long time. Now, for as brutal as this was, this season was obviously very complicated, and it was hard to watch. I can't believe this is their record at home, but 29 and two. Yeah, How are they that much of a dumpster fire where they are 29 and two? I mean, that is historic type numbers. Yeah, How are they 29 and two at home, but that much of a dumpster fire? Okay. What
0: bothers? What, what is the more, I don't say bothers. What is the number that you hold into a higher accord? The twenty nine and two home or the ten and twenty four road, which one of those two
1: kind of rankles you more? Uh, clearly, it's the ten and twenty four because it makes no sense if you can go twenty nine and two at home. How are you that pathetic on the road? But they are both that impressive. I mean, really, they it is so hard to do both of those things because if you have that type of record at home, it it literally makes no sense to be that much worse. When you're away from the Wells Fargo Center, so, uh, so are you more? You're. I guess it's like, are you more
0: impressed? That should be the question. Are you more impressed with twenty nine and two, or more angered at ten and twenty four? Which of those numbers? Like, which of those numbers? Which of those numbers? mean? like to me, I like the twenty nine and two. Okay, because the ten and twenty four, they were not a good road team last year. They weren't ten and twenty four. They were nothing special. They are like five hundred. They went and won in Toronto. They won two road games in Brooklyn. So I know they can do it. The twenty nine and two says you ain't beating me at home. So you better find a way to put me away on your floor because I'll find a random way to get one on your floor. But you ain't getting me on mine like that. Twenty nine and two is more impressive to me than the ten and twenty four
1: is. What word you want to use? No, I I can I can totally see see that. I, I lean towards you as well. I think I appreciate the twenty-nine and two more than most. It's very similar to let's say Carson Wentz. He throws for four touchdowns in a game, but he missed Miles Sanders wide open in the fourth quarter down the sideline. Nobody wants to appreciate the four touchdowns. They will absolutely criticize Carson Wentz for missing Miles Sanders down the sideline. And this is kind of like that in a way.
0: Uh, Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, we remember
1: the the negative
0: stands out more to the the irrational fan. 10-24, can't win on the road. That's embarrassing. Blah, blah, blah. I look at it as it's not like it's impossible for them to win on the road. Like they can win a road game when it comes down to it. And if they're focused on that day, and they, it's one game. I don't feel like it's an impossibility because they're ten and twenty four on the road. Like they're not going to get it done. That's already been proved to be Buckus. They didn't win in Toronto for the longest time. They went and won in there in the playoffs last year.
1: See, I can't stand that stat. There's that stat out there where the Sixers haven't won in Toronto in how many years or how many matchups, but that totally just disregards the the playoff game that they won there. How does that stat still live? But you can't factor in that in a bigger situation when it matters more, they were able to actually do it, but nobody recognizes that. How is that even possible?
0: Well, and I like, that's what I'm saying. Like so, the regular season win loss record on the road. I mean, is it is it concerning? Eh, sure. If you want to be someone that you know dives into these numbers and it bothers you, yeah, ten and twenty four would be a concern. Do I think that they couldn't win a game on the road? No, I don't think that's accurate. I think they would. I'm not. I don't think if they just show up in another building, that's a, a loss. Right. Exactly. You you put it perfectly. Whereas Go ahead. Did you say something. Whereas Broads, the fact that they're twenty nine and two at home. It almost suggests that if another team steps on your floor, they ain't winning,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I do appreciate the twenty nine and two. I think now that I started to to embrace this, and and I always was a fan of that number. You know, winning on the road, it is possible. So a lot of fans would speculate that they were going to lose the first round, right? I mean, automatically, that was their assumption. They're going to lose the first round. There's no way that they're able to win any type of series with the team that they had. They're in the mix with the rest of them. They're not at the Bucks level, okay? I understand that but they're ju- they're in the mix with the Pacers heat Celtics if if those teams are able to beat the Sixers well, then if they're in the same mix as them why wouldn't they be able to win a first well, round well on not one, one, one to win side of the round. ledger
0: they are on the Bucks level the Bucks are 25 excuse me 28 and 3 at home and you're 29 and 2 so guess what you would say i have a better home court advantage than you do that is awesome
1: that is awesome but do you put stock on the Bucs 25-9 and road record? Sure. I mean, look, I think the Bucks right now have
0: proven to be a better, more consistent team over a two-year span, by the way. And I think part of the reason why they've been a better, more consistent team over the last two years is look at their roster. Very stable. They've gone in with the same group of guys for the last two years, and the regular season matters to them. Mike Budenholzer has shown in the past, We're going to win as many games in the regular season as we can. You don't see Giannis Antetokounmpo load managing. He does not take nights off. He plays every game. So does Chris Middleton. Their guys play. They don't sit down and load manage. They win as many games as possible. They're six and a half games up. They're not losing the number one seed, but they don't take their foot off the pedal. So it matters to them. I think that's a factor, too, as to why their numbers are so impressive, but they're 28 and 3 at
1: home. The Sixers are saying, hmm, "That's cute, but we're 29 and 2." They really do value the regular season more than I feel any team that I've ever watched in the NBA. Me and you speak about this all the time. The Tuesday nights, the Wednesday nights in the NBA, as much as you want to believe it matters, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I mean, it's a proven statistic. It does not matter. But the Bucks seem to put so much stock into that, and I wonder if and we see this around sports, it's a copycat league. I wonder if they find a way to win a championship, if that changes the way that the NBA values it, because it, it is a copycat league, just like the NFL or just like any other league.
0: Yes, and here's the thing. I think the fact that the Bucks have the continuity is this big separator between them and the others. Toronto has a lot of continuity as well. They lost Kawhi, but they kept a lot of the rest of that group together that won the championship. Boston, they have a lot of continuity too. They lost the one cancerous player and brought in a guy who kind of re-pulled the continuity back together with Kemba Walker. He was just a better team player than Kyrie was. So Boston's... Complementary pieces, along with Tatum, have been together now for about two to three seasons. You look at the Sixers; they have changed theirs up five times, six times. That's a lot to kind of overcome. And J- it's almost JJ Redick brought that up. He brought that up on the podcast with Derek Bodner and Rich Hoffman. Uh, I think I could probably find that clip, which was that he thought it was very difficult for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Brett Brown to constantly have to try to mesh with a new group of
1: players. Now, I want to call J.J. Redick a fraud for a moment because I I do think that he held back a bit when he had Jimmy Butler on his podcast. And he was poking the bear a bit and trying to get jimmy butler to say some stuff they were drinking their red wine right so he was allowing jimmy butler to get some stuff off of his chest and i think maybe it was a business decision to a degree then you have jj reddick on the podcast with Derek bonner of the athletic with rich hoffman as well and he was saying things that he should have countered Jimmy Butler on during his own podcast. It's almost as if he held back when he had Jimmy on his own pod and then talked about it on somebody else's podcast. And I honestly hated that.
0: I I, I hear exactly what you're saying, and I kind of agree. And I wonder, and I asked that question when it all came out was, hey, were him and Jimmy having a couple of cocktails and he just, like, didn't want to get confrontational with them? Were they just kind of drinking some wine and just kind of like, ha, <laughs> like, You know, or is he just letting Jimmy be Jimmy? And, like, you're right, though. He should have stepped in at some point if he didn't agree with Jimmy and said, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, you could tell that he didn't want to get confrontational with Jimmy on the whole Brett Brown thing because he's like, man, I really wish your relationship would have been better with Brett because I think Brett's an awesome guy. And, you know, that's basically uh, – that was, like, his way of kind of saying, like, ah, like, I I don't really agree with you, but I just wish you would have been – you would
1: have got along with him better maybe. I don't know. My biggest takeaway was JJ Reddick talked about how everything Brett Brown did was processed. It it was, it was methodical. There was a reason for it. It, it, There was, you know, it it made sense and it lined up and there was a snowball effect with everything he did. It adds to the next thing that he did. It adds to the next thing to do. It was strategically planned out. But when Jimmy was firing off about that one, that one meeting in in the office where they were watching film and all you heard was the clicking and nothing got accomplished that contradicts itself. JJ saying on someone else's podcast, that everything Brett Brown did was for a reason. And it was so planned out and processed yet. Jimmy is just ripping apart how in that film session, nothing mattered. And it was stupid.
0: Yeah. The one thing is on that whole situation, right? He's saying, essentially Butler saying you were a part of this. You weren't getting anything done. And, and JJ never returned. Like, well, wait a second here. I was there for two to years. This is the way we did it. And we accomplished a lot. Like you're trying to say, we got nothing done. I don't agree with you there. He just kind of let Jimmy kind of roll with it. And this is why
1: I think it was a business decision for JJ to have on Jimmy. And the point was to poke the bear. Listen, they both played in Philly. They knew that if something like that was released, There goes the Sparks. There goes all the Philadelphia media outlets. I mean, they did it knowing that it would cause a big effect, and then more ratings go towards J.J. Reddick. It had to have been a business decision. I don't
0: know, man. You think that J.J. Reddick is caring about his podcast numbers?
1: I mean, like, is he making – I mean, yeah. (laughs) That's funny the way that that came out. Like, out of everything that J.J. Reddick cares about right now, it's his podcasting numbers. Maybe –
0: is he making a significant amount of dollars on his podcast? He doesn't even
1: do it all that often, does he? I mean, when, how frequently does that thing drop? That is a great question. We will look that up for sure. But I, I, listen to it to a degree that he's worried about making millions of dollars off of it. No, but I think going into it, the mindset was let's have some fun, let's spark the Philadelphia media outlet. Let me ask you some questions about your time here in Philly. Yeah, well,
0: I, I do want to. I want to try to find that audio. Um, from uh, when he was on that podcast. It was like two or three weeks ago. We played a lot of the cuts, but the one about the, the continuity that he brought up, it, it's really the one that I think is maybe the biggest difference between Philadelphia and the others, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston specifically. I mean, Miami brought Butler in, but most of their guys have been there um, you know, the Dragic and, uh, Adebayo, like they've had like their core guys have kind of played together. Um, you know, Indiana has this group of guys that has been together now for like two straight years. Yes. You've had Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but his point was those two guys have been asked to change secondary players so often. Like you have me for two years and I'm gone now Tobias is here for a year and a half and then Jimmy's here and then he's gone and you had Dario and Rocco and now they're gone. So uh, he he kind of really stressed that. And I've been saying for a while, I think the biggest problem they have is the lack of continuity. And that's why this regular season, what did Elton Brand constantly say that this was
1: about the playoffs? Yeah, it, it is. It is about the playoffs. That's why I'm curious to see how they will finish because it's about the playoffs, but they're going to use it as an excuse. If it doesn't go as planned. Now the, the one, there was a Jimmy Butler quote, where he mentioned what it was like to be in training camp in Miami. And it didn't matter if you were the highest paid on a max contract or if you were on a 10-day contract. You were running those sprints. You were being part of the conditioning. And I did think to myself that I could see Joel Embiid sitting that out. I could see Joel Embiid relaxing, maybe eating Chick-fil-A on the sidelines. I don't know but I could see him not participating. And that is something that I think is important as if maybe that that is a part of culture that if that is the case, if Joel B doesn't, that should be discussed.
0: All right. We'll get that audio from Reddick on the other side at Geico. You have a choice of ways you can save on car insurance, 800-947-AUTO. Go to online at geico.com. Stop by the Geico office nearest you. It's the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. The MGPC Top 5 at 5 tonight. Our top five TV crushes when we were growing up. The answers are pouring in on the text board right from J.J. Reddick, all right? So this is J.J. Reddick. He was on the athletic podcast, the Sixers Beat, with uh, Derek Bodner and Rich Hoffman a couple of weeks ago. uh, This is what he had to say when he was asked regarding the uh, situation Uh, with the Sixers, he said the lack of continuity. He was asked about the roster changes and basically like the biggest problem that Joel and Ben were having playing together. He doesn't think the problem is those guys playing together as much as this. I would just say this. Ben and Joel are, are both incredibly intelligent people and incredibly intelligent players, so they're smart enough to figure it out. And they will figure it out if they haven't already. It's hard not just on them. I think it's it's hard on, on, on the coaches. It's hard on the team. I mean, look, you want some level of continuity. There you go. Hard on them, hard on the coaches. You want some level of continuity. That's certainly not what the Sixers have been given over the last
1: five, six years. Yeah, and you can argue that w- when it comes to switching these rosters around and flipping them around – Maybe one of the most, move, like, the most amount of moves ever. Uh, normally, you don't turn the roster around as many times as they did like this. In any league, in any sport, this has been flipped around so much in so many moving pieces. And I, I guess you could argue football, but you understand my point when it comes to the sport of basketball. The roster turning around, and you only have five guys on the floor, and here's Landry Shaman, and he gets moved, and Tobias comes in, and Roko leaves, and Dario. this is unheard of. So to think you can snap your fingers and it automatically starts to click, that doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. And the fact that it was so many different, you know,
0: parts in that, like, secondary role. You have Joel and Ben who are both trying to find their way together, and then you have these other group of guys who they're trying to find their way with, all right, we have this role together that we're trying to feel out. Those two are trying to feel each other out. At the same time, they're trying to feel these other guys out. Giannis doesn't have that problem. He know Middleton— is very secure in his role. Lopez, very secure in his role. Bledsoe, very secure. They play their roles to perfection, and they've done it together for two seasons, if not more. Some of those guys have been there. You know, Middleton and Giannis have played together for like three years. Right, and, and I
1: do think, I, I do think, though, that, you know, they still need to make the proper steps in their career, right? So, yes, they need to find a way to hold down a roster so they can learn to play with each other. They also need to develop and, and add to their game as well. One person brought up to me, when you look at that game seven, because this factors in the anniversary of the shot, Joel Embiid was crying his eyes out afterwards. Yeah. And after we we realized what just happened and we processed what occurred, we thought of it as a positive, as a city. Okay, they will make this pay. They, they will allow this to come into their bodies and they will use it To make the next step, similar to Michael Jordan, losing to the Pistons. That didn't happen this year.
0: No, but did you hear what Larry Brown had to say about Joel Indeed?